Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello and welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford and Rory O'Neill with you, and we've been joined by Eamon Fitzmaurice. Good morning, Eamon. How are you? Good morning, Mikey. Do you see teachers will be the death of myself and Rory? We're doing this podcast earlier and earlier before the school day. We're up, we're up with the lark. Could you see what it's doing to Rory's beauty regimen? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he looks uh, very fresh, Mikey. He looks <laughs> because I'm wondering, has he been to bed, Eamon? Yeah. <laughs> after uh, after Cork's performance yesterday in hurling, uh, it was bed early for me last night. Uh, yeah. You're a football county now, Rory. <laughs> yeah, you can go toe to toe with Derry. Oh yeah, listen, it was uh, it was uh, quite the comeback. Uh, eight points down with twenty minutes to go, and I know. Look, it was a B team from a Derry perspective. Well, largely a B team. Whatever B team they have, they don't have much of a B team, I suppose. But. Still to reel them in and to keep going, I, show, I think it showed a good bit of spirit. Like, I mean, I think it might actually prove important too. You wouldn't know, you know, to finish fourth in the overall scheme of things. But yeah, I think to eke out a point, I mean, we're the only, Cork are the only team that took points off Derry. So yeah, I think it was a good thing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think fourth, you're, you're safe in the safe the enough Talton, in fourth, yeah. Un- yeah, yeah unless yeah, we yeah. get the strangest provincial I think, championships of all time. I think, I think, I think, me, they're the only ones that might be hovering. Really, is mm. would that be fair? I think so. If you consider, obviously, one of the one of the Connacht teams is gonna is gonna upset the apple cart. Um, you'd have to say, Eamon, after what we saw from Armagh, I'd say Cavan won't be won't be too fearful. So Cavan will be another lower division team who would have their eyes on a on a provincial final place and then it's Leinster and Munster it's probably looking a little bit less likely at the moment I suppose you'd have to say It is I suppose Mikey but you just don't know the likes of a clear now like obviously they're disappointed to have been relegated but they did have some great performances during the league where they just came out on the wrong side of you know the the encounter against the Dubs and Crow Park Kildare at home um Cork at home, there was there was a lot of tight games. So uh, I know the the result against Derry away would have been a bit a disappointing one, but Derry are one of the farm teams in the country at the moment. So yeah, I think there'll be plenty of twists and turns. But you know, if more than two gets get, uh, get from three and four get into the uh, provincial finals, it'd be probably a surprise. All right. Yeah, um, I suppose just to to recap, I suppose the the headlines from today were that. Um... Galway will play Mayo in the final of Division 1 after beating Kerry in Salt Hill. Um, Stephen Cluxton returned for the dubs. Uh, Monaghan stayed up, which isn't even news. I'm sorry I, told, I said on Thursday there wasn't a shadow of doubt. That that, if Monaghan have a shot of staying up, Monaghan will stay up. Uh, Cluxton didn't get on the pitch. Dublin beat Loud in what sounded like a fairly dour game of game of football for 35 minutes anyway um oh no Manna, oh no oh no for the full 70. <laughs> for Mana <laughs> and Cavan uh there's going to be four four Ulster teams in division two coming down from uh two coming down from division one two going up from division three for Mana will join Cavan and division three was already sorted and then as predicted by Kieran Whelan um the Cross McGlenn buddies helped each other out in division four so um he was, spot, he, was, he was he was spot on there anyway he was <laughs> McEntee, McEntee, Sligo beat Leitrim 
so that uh, Oshin McConville's Wicklow could go up. So it was a, a glorious day. They were turning over cars and uh, setting bins on fire in Greystones. No, they weren't. But uh, it's still a good day. A good day for Wicklow football and for Sligo. It sounded like a good game between Sligo and Leitrim. Anyway, we'll return to the top. Um, Galway 113, Kerry 14 points. Before we get into the football here, Eamon, there's been a fair bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth about simulation in um, Gaelic football. And we've seen a few incidents of lads maybe trying to get cards for others. So just a moment of appreciation for Damien Conroy. I don't know. Um, Damien Comer, sorry. Sorry, it is early. Damien Comer, um, I don't know if you spotted it. He came on in the second half and not too long after coming on and making a nuisance of himself. He obviously upset Paddy Clifford because Paddy Clifford gave him pretty much a straight arm to the jaw, it looked like. And uh, Comer just looked at him and kind of raised his arms as if to say, what do you do? And then God, went on about his business. It was nice to see him and it's nice to see there's still men out there, huh? Yeah, um, <clears throat> you'd need more than a straight arm to take Damien Comer out. Of the <laughs> it certainly would. Be, be him. But I was, it was great to see him back because... Was. You know, we, we spoke about earlier on in the, the season when he got that knee injury against um, Roscommon in, the, in their only defeat, it looked bad. And I'd say, except for the fact that he is so strong and, you know, he's so well developed, he probably would have had a very serious injury. So um, even though the, he did have the big black tape, Galway seemed to be going with the black tape. They've gone away from the white tape for whatever reason. But uh, That was an e-support John Mahan would have been proud of that one, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but um, like I said, it was good to see him back. And I saw him, I was above at the Armagh game and I saw him tugged off that evening and he, he was he was moving freely. So, you knew it wasn't, too, he wasn't too far away and he got a great, great point as well for, for Galway. So, um, good, good. Obviously, good for Galway, but good for the general GA population to see him back. Absolutely, Rory. This was this was another very um, professional performance from from Galway. Oh, I yeah. think they there was there was a lot to like about how they played. They were very um, just they just do seem to be a team that's maturing, don't they? Burner power in goal was very good. His distribution was mostly very good. And it helps when you have Matthew Tierney out the field to oh, kick the ball yeah. to because I don't think it's a while since I've seen a display of fielding like that. He's catching one handed, two handed, behind his head, three lads around him. And the ball, like he must have had a Uvo stick on his hands or something. It was just glued to him. He's um, like one of the things that struck me about him yesterday. And like, I just like he's probably one of the foreign players in the league. There's no like he might be up there with one of the best players. In the game currently, um, incredible engine. He reminds me a lot of actually Brian Fenton in that he has that same sort of stride, very good in the air, kicks equally brilliantly off both feet. Is midfield the best position for him maybe down the line? You know, that he can he can link things up and get on the end of things. I know they probably kind of play him as a third midfielder anyway. Uh, that that one-handed catch there in the 47, mm. dude, that one-handed catch in the 47 minute was just superb, real old school and uh, one for the purists. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I just, he's an incredible talent. <clears throat> um, and Galway, they still have a few, still have a few players to come back. I think they're in a great shape. I mean, they've kind of gone through the league. They've made it into a league final after being in the All Ireland final last year. 
Would it be fair to say slightly unheralded to a degree, Eamon? Like, I know people will start ramping up chat about them now, but they, like, I suppose Mayo have grabbed all the headlines for the right reasons and maybe at the bottom end, other teams have grabbed all the headlines for the wrong reasons and Galway have kind of gone quietly about their business. And I wouldn't say sneaked into a league final, but I think the spotlight might start to glare a little more brightly on them from here on in, would you think? Oh, big time. I think, look, in terms of a league, they've ticked all the boxes. They've, especially, you know, after getting to the All-Ireland final and developing so well last year, the things that you looked at were, were things like they needed to deepen their panel. They've done that. Um, they're, they're, they have the meanest defence in the back in Division 1. They they probably, as the season goes on, they're going to need to score a bit more, but that's not going to be a problem with the forwards they have. Um, <clears throat> the thing I made the point in my column in the examiner this morning, the thing that I've been most impressed with them is their the way that they've matured in their game management yeah. towards the end of games. And I just think even within this league, not, not to mind developing from last season, think back to the first night above against Mayo um, in McHale Park, great game. They were a point up into injury time. They had possession. The game was over. They gave Ryan O'Donoghue the chance to get the equaliser. Whereas yesterday, the way they managed out the end of the game, Peter Cook, when he was fouled for, for by Shawnee Shea that led to their last score, they had held possession for three minutes previous to that. They sucked Kerry out. They created the space. Sean Kelly played a one-two and burst through the middle. Um even earlier in that move, they'd actually counter-attacked and they didn't have the bodies forward, so they recycled it. Rob Finnerty came back out around. And then at the end, again, after Paddy Clifford got the score uh, to bring it back to three, Bernard Power, they'd pressed up on him. Uh, he got it away to Daniel Flaherty. And again, they held on to possession for nearly two minutes to see out the game and comfortably held on to possession. They weren't under pressure. It wasn't uh, madcap stuff. So they've really matured and they still have big players to come back. I mean, Killian McDade is is obviously a huge player for them. He wasn't playing yesterday and others uh, to come back into it. So um, they're in a great place. They're in a great and that that Division One final next weekend will be will be a great game. It'll be a great battle. Yeah, no chance we're just going to play it in the hide, you know, just to save the two teams, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> um, what, Mikey, Mikey, I'd say they want to go to Crow yeah. Park probably anyway. Mikey. Yeah, I know, I know they, they would as long as it's a Saturday. I yeah, think. Mikey, Mikey, Eamon mentioned one thing there, which. I mean, look, this isn't to start getting onto a. This this isn't to start getting into a whinge and moan fest again about the ills of modern Gaelic football. The game we have is the game we have now, and I think most people accept that, and that's fine. But the lengths of time that teams are holding possession, there's a huge level of basketball influence I think um, drifting into Gaelic football coaching at the top levels I mean I think I don't know whether or not Keen O'Neill has a basketball background Eamon does he I think he does yeah he does and he play he played basketball and he would yeah. he would have ba- he would think with a basketball brain with a, ba- with a basketball a brain, brain like, I, yeah. I think you have Jason Sherlock you've had basketball influence within Dublin I, mean, I don't know if it's that much of a big deal. I don't know whether other people are upset or going to be, you know, wringing their hands about it. But like I was even watching it yesterday again with the Dublin Loud match. Dublin held possession for nearly, I don't know, at one stage. I was t- timing the individual uh, possession bouts that they had and one was just over the three minute mark. And it was boring. 
it was pretty boring, you know, this kind of snakes and ladders that were having, you know, back and forth over and across as you try and kind of break down these defenses. I mean, I don't know, is this something that lawmakers, I know people have mentioned shot clocks in the past, not even sure how that would work, but I'm just wondering, is this, is is, is it just something that we just have to accept? Is this just the way the game is now and shin shin? I, don't I think know. these things, Eamon, they tend to be cyclical, don't they? There's kind of, you get trends in terms of coaches, in terms of styles of play, and sometimes the GA intervene with a rule which sometimes works or sometimes makes things worse. But the, usually the most effective thing here, Eamon, is for a coach who says, you know what, there was nothing wrong with the way Tyrone played football in the noughties, let's go back to that and let's start like tackling like maniacs and chasing the opposition around the field and try and turn them over. Um, not saying that's going to happen tomorrow, but like usually that's, you know, teams find a way to kind of uh, upset the status quo, don't they? And in a natural way, you hope. They do, yeah. And I suppose that's why in, in many respects, parts of the league have been kind of disappointing, uh, Mikey, from the point of view that there has been so much of the ultra-defensive um formations and then which has led to the basketball type possession games because I felt last year we had kind of moved away from that and in general the pattern was moving away from that but again I think look if you look at the teams that are winning the teams that are getting promoted that are getting to the finals they are playing a more open brand of football they are taking risks they are trying to kick the ball so ultimately we always come back to that if you want to be successful, you have to be able to mix it. And Galway are a great example of that at yeah. the moment, that they are, they're very solid defensively. As I said, that they they conceded the least amount in Division 1, but they can go the other way as well. And they can play, when you're playing a team like Kerry, they, they can play a kicking, attacking game. When you're playing a game like against Armad the week before, they can get down into the trenches and they can play that game as well and win that game. So they're very adaptable and that's that's you know that's compliments to them. And that probably comes into your uh, point as well, Mikey, that you have to be adaptable and you have to go with different things. But I'd be hopeful, especially as weather improves and as 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 teams progress through the championship, that we will see more and more attacking football and teams going for it and. Um, not not resorting to the ultra defensive stuff. Yeah, um, I think you're probably right. And Rory, on, on Kerry, Rory, um, it was uh, another away defeat. That's four from four on their travels, which is um, probably not keeping Jack Connor awake at night around the Monster Championship. But obviously, the All Ireland is going to be played on the groups are going to be played on a home away neutral basis. Um, I don't think Kerry have all of a sudden become terrible travelers, but they haven't. They're not the Kerry of last summer yet. Um, there's no reason to say they won't become that Kerry and maybe we don't know how much experimenting Jack O'Connor has been doing. But at the same time, I'd say he would have liked to have picked up at least one away victory, maybe just from a psychological point of view, rather than just to have this be the kind of thing that people like us are talking about. Yeah, I definitely think he would have liked to have had one on the board. And I suppose if you're looking to try and pinpoint the one that they should have maybe picked up, it's probably the one first day out against Donegal, given what's happened to them afterwards. But again, I suppose the context is always key on these things. And given the fact that Kerry were only back a very, very short time, that's probably understandable at that, that, that time of the season. But yeah, like, I mean, they have loads and loads of time. Um, I was looking at... You know, like the the championship really won't start for Kerry until the round robin stages. And I was looking at the way that round robin will work up, will work out. You have the mad situation in that particular competition where 
a point might be enough to get you to the knockout <laughs> stages. One point, like a draw, will get you through. You could lose two of your matches, draw one, and still make the last 12 of the All-Ireland. So I don't think uh, I don't think he'll be too perturbed by it. I think he'll definitely feel that maybe one victory on the road might have been something good just for confidence and just to try and kind of give people a good sense of where they are because I suppose the only worry from their point of view is that they will head into that round robin. Now, the only, the, the one thing I'll say is I definitely think if if it's Cork Kerry in a Munster final this year, Kerry will get a test this time round. It'll be in Parky Cueve and that that won't be a gimme. Um, no. That's if Cork managed to make it. Cork will have a lot to do going up to Ennis. Uh, Clare, you'd imagine, will get over Limerick given, you know, they they obviously played each other yesterday and there looks to be a little bit of a gap there. But, um, yeah, I think, look, they, they they might get a test in Munster. They'll go into the round robins. I think it, there's, a, there's a long season yet ahead for them. But I think it's probably been, if you were to meet, mark their card and you were to, Eamon was probably the best person to start to do your kind of midterm reports. You know, disappointing, maybe needs to do a little bit more work and uh, but plenty of more work to be done at the same time. Yeah, Eamon, the end of McGinley wrote a column last week where he kind of highlighted Kerry's blanket-busting attacking style, which several times focused on kind of switching the play from one wing to the other as quickly as possible. Um, and you could see them doing that against Galway. But what Galway were doing was Galway were re- retreating and retreating. And any time kind of Kerry did manage to kind of infiltrate the first line of the blanket, they were, they were they had a few goal chances and they were basically just swallowed up. It was like Galway seemed to know what they were at. David Clifford didn't score from play. And that that's going to probably be... I suppose a pattern we're going to see is Clifford is going to be a lot of focus on him and it's about how much he can create for others. And like Jack oh, he O'Connor... Had, he, had, he had Sean Kelly for company yesterday. He did, yeah. <laughs> there's, a really trick, did. there's a tricky man, Mark. He might still that. have Sean Kelly for company. He might have gone with him on the bus down the road. Um, so, like, this is... Clifford is well used to this. Jack O'Connor will have a plan for this. Like, Kerry do have the attacking tools to kind of break down these defences. But when the defence is as good as Galway's and as well drilled as Galway's... Like, it's fascinating to watch, but and it, there is a lot for Jack O'Connor to to chew on now between here and the latter stages of the championship. Uh, there is, there is absolutely my and look. I think, you know, in many ways, of course, Kerry were going up to win yesterday and trying to get the league final and everything. But I think, reflecting afterwards, they were probably as happy coming down the road that they're not in the league final, that they're safe in Division One. Um, to me, the the league hasn't been overly surprising. From from Kerry's perspective, they were laid back. They're the holiday. They had four monster trips. They've had injuries. They've had fellas late coming back into the squad. Um, they're coming off in All Ireland. Uh, you know, there there was club campaigns that went deep into the winter. There was a lot of ingredients that were going to make it a challenging league for them. So, um, I think look as as was mentioned already, the one thing that they would like to have ticked off was an away win. Um, those wins in the road are always they're brilliant for the squad in general, just to get those away wins. But um, would you think anyone new has kind of pop, popped their hand up, Eamon? Uh, I mean, in terms of, like, I know Dara Roach, I think, played quite well early on. Rory Murphy obviously started yesterday. Would any of them maybe, does anybody in your view kind of force their, force their way into uh, Jack O'Connor's reckoning for a championship start? 
I think the three that have probably forced their way are Barry O'Sullivan in midfield has had a very solid league. And obviously with David Moran retired, it's an area that they have to strengthen. And Tony Braston and Donal O'Sullivan both got a lot of game time during the course of the league and uh, did well at stages. Um, Darrell Roach did have a strong early start, but I think he, he picked up an injury, a serious yep. enough injury. Same with Stefano Cunbar, that's you know, he was coming strong as well, but has is injured at the moment. But you know, like, and where, what's where, what's where's Brian Obiogliuk, uh, Eamon? Sorry, he's still injured, and Stephen O'Brien hasn't, hasn't made it back. So the two of them will obviously, hopefully, are on the way back. And then you know, the likes of Dylan Casey, Pa Warren. Rory Murphy, all those players getting exposure during the league is good for them as well. So, yep. um, you know, like, look, I think from Jack is a competitive animal. He won't be happy with losing games at any stage. But at the same time, when they take a step back from it, they have four weeks now to the Munster semi-final. Um, I think the Munster final is due to be in Killarney this year. Is this uh, Rory? Is that are you trying to pull? Do you remember there was a game of Parky Rain last year? Was that last year or the year before? No, that was last year. But as now we're coming strong, so they're trying uh, to uh, yeah. get us down to Parky Creed for the Munster final. Oh, it was last year. You're right. Sure, wasn't Roy there in the whole lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is every second year, isn't it, Roy? It is. Yeah, yeah. All the agreement will kick in. Yeah. So we're going down to Killarney. Lovely. Where we haven't won since Charlie Hawhey was Taoiseach. You think he'd pulled a stroke for Kerry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll move on, lads. A few games to get through, obviously. Um, it, it would be remiss of us not to mention uh, the cockroaches of Division 1 that are Monaghan, 2-14 to 14-point winners over Mayo. Um, Rory. Uh, unreal. It, unreal. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe RT producers were eyeing up Conor McManus as a as a pundit, but, um, you know, like to get him in sooner rather than later. It doesn't seem to be any sign of him slowing down, particularly one seven he scored yesterday, including a last minute penalty. Um, phenomenal rolling back of the years. Now Mayo Mave, you know, obviously there's a bit of rotation with Mayo, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But Manon still had to go and get a result against a bunch of Mayo players who'd be very motivated to make an impression on Kevin McStay. This was no easy match, uh, certainly not in Castle Bar. And Manon did what they had to do and you know, once again, get that little bit of an uptick heading into an Ulster Championship. The fact they're still a Division One team, the fact that they, like, they're one team that really do. So people say the league is the league, and there's no, you know, there's there's no pressure, and it's not the same as Championship. Every year, Monaghan managed to recreate the pressure of the Championship by giving themselves an impossible task on the last day, and they come through it. And it must do something fantastic for the morale of the squad. You think? And yeah, and for the whole county. I mean, they're just so well organized. They've got some good young players coming through as well. I think Division One will actually, you know, Division One football next year, no doubt. Now again, will hopefully develop. I mean, they are deaf in a transitional phase. There's some of the older players are fail, are like we, you know, they've lost. I don't know, was it Drew Wiley or which one of the Wileys packed it up? And then Drew. a few Drew Drew Wiley, you know, and they've lost a couple of other players over the last couple of years as lads retire. But you've got Michal Bannigan, a few others coming through. They've they did they? I think. Did their under twenties beat? Was it Armagh of the weekend? Um, in the first round of the Ulster Championship, again coming with some more good players. I mean, if you think about it, they're extraordinary. I mean, I think they're round, round the same size in terms of population clubs as Carlo and Longford. This is the size that Monaghan are, and yet they're heading in for a ninth 
consecutive year playing Division One football. It is off the chart stuff. They are just a shining example of what you can do if you have the right attitude and you get the maximum out of yourself. And the one thing I want would like to say on Conor McManus, he kicked one point yesterday. It was just, oh my God. Now, one, what's, what's brilliant about the time that they've spent in Division 1 is the profile that you get in Division 1. And I think for Conor McManus to have spent the vast majority of his career at the top table means that we've got the opportunity to see him a lot. And I think that, and he has played a huge role in making sure that they've stayed at that top table for so long. So I think he deserves a huge amount of credit. They deserve a huge amount of credit. I think you saw what it meant to them. I'd say there was good crack on that bus going home from Castlebar last night. I'd say the crack was was mighty and they very, very much deserved it. And um, I think they'll roll on into the championship now and they usually take that good morale, that good spirit, those good vibes with them. And as usual, no one will want to play them. And the yeah. other thing, Rory, I thought as well, but yesterday was that you know, with all the manage management and manager upheaval at the moment, you could see how much the players uh, at the end in particular wanted to do it for Vinnie Corey. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they obviously they played with him and they have massive respect for him, but you know that he stepped up there and he took on the job and that they you could Because see. they struggled that did they did they struggle yeah. not when they struggle, so we don't know what, what goes on in terms of county boards, but they it, it did take them a while to fill the role. Well, we got the impression pretty much anyone who used to play for Dublin and has retired was offered the job at one stage. It was the impression you were getting, how much of it yeah. was true or not. But yeah. it, they weren't quick filling the job. No, certainly not. Um, so, sorry, just uh, we, we better push on. There really is a lot to talk about. Eamon, uh, with Monaghan staying up, obviously, it means Armagh are for the drop, which I don't think anybody would have seen after the first few rounds of the league. They were looking good. They were looking like they were going to carry on from last year. And then... They some sort of experimentation with a more defensive game, which you have to say is horribly backfired because Tyrone scored 18 points against them yesterday. So it's it's not particularly working. They did score 16 themselves. So without having seen the full game, maybe we can surmise that maybe they came out of their shell a little bit, a little bit too late. Um, injury to Keen O'Neill doesn't help. As I, um, Ryan O'Neill doesn't help. Um, so, but. This is a major setback. They were supposed to be the coming team. They're going to be challenging Derry this year. Um, dropping down to Division 2 mightn't have a huge impact on their development. But just from a status point of view and from like this idea that it's constant progress after you know years under Geezer, that's been that's hit the buffers now. And Monaghan are going into the Ulster Championship with a spring in their step. You know, Geezer's going in now with a lot of questions hanging over him and, you know, silly rumours doing the rounds and like that's just not what he needs whatsoever. No, it's it's definitely a setback, uh, Mikey. And uh, the only thing I'd say, you know, there, there's a lot to say about Armagh really in that, number one, they have changed their style of play and it hasn't suited them. And I suppose always during the course of the National League, you learn lessons and you learn things about your team. Um they, they, they've seen that. I didn't see the game either yesterday, so I'm not sure. Did they come out and play a bit more yesterday and did they abandon that, you know, ultra-defensive setup that they had in the games against the likes of Kerry and Galway? Uh, um, who knows? Maybe they were preparing something for uh, for periods of games further down the championship 
and that that's what they were at. They had injuries, so there was a context there. You know, the last couple of seasons, they've done very well in the league, but then they've come a cropper in the Ulster Championship and they've been disappointed with that. So maybe they have been looking at the Ulster Championship from a good bit out. Uh, the only thing that form is definitely not where it was. Confidence is going to be down after getting relegated as well. They've only got a couple of weeks till the Antrim game to get ready for that. And uh, if they get over that, then coming against an, an informed Cavan team. So there's lots of question marks. Um, even, you know, Kieran McGinney having to come out yesterday and deal with the, the rumours that were going around, you know, that's not ideal. Uh, it's definitely not ideal doing it with a black eye as well. And mentioning the black eye himself, that he had a black eye that uh, I suppose he got in his, his jiu-jitsu or whatever the, the martial arts thing he's at. But, uh, you know, that kind of stuff isn't ideal. But I would expect a big reaction from them in the championship. Last year, when they had the bad day out against Donegal in the first round of the Ulster Championship, they really reacted and they came back strong and, you know, they had some great wins in the in the qualifiers and obviously they had that great game with, with Galway and Crow Park then. So I would expect a big reaction from them, but um, I imagine they're going to move away from that ultra-defensive ultra, ultra defensive game that they had for those couple of games during the league. Yeah, it was Ender McGinley who, who said last week, you know, you, you wouldn't want them to get too too much tunnel vision on the Ulster Championship, but you know it's a long it's a long season, and like uh, you know they wouldn't want to get unduly focused on winning an Ulster Championship. That mightn't be the concern now. It might be Ulster Championship might be used to kind of rebuild confidence and a and a game plan. Um, we'll watch this space anyway. Um, they're going to Division Two. Coming the other way are are Dublin, Eamon, and um, it, the story of the day really was was not really their promotion. It was the fact that Stephen. Young whippersnapper Stephen Cookson was an unused substitute, which goes to show for a man who doesn't speak to the media, uh, shuns any level of profile. Isn't it amazing that he, being an unused substitute, was the story of the day in Crow Park? It, it's fantastic. Like the the less the man says, the more fascinated people are with him. Um, but this this seems to be on the surface. It's just a case that he's the. He's the second best fit goalkeeper we have around, but I think for most people that that doesn't wash. And I suppose we're thinking, does Desi Farrell feel he needs a kind of somebody to inject some, you know, six in a row level quality and standards into training? You know, it's no harm. He's also a good goalkeeper, but to me it would be less match day he's concerned with, and maybe having Cluxon back as a presence to training would be no harm. Yeah, I'd say it's probably a mix of everything, uh, Mikey. Look. It's it's never a bad thing getting someone like that back in around the environment and the experience and the standards and the respect. The only probably downside of it is that if you're one of the other keepers, you're looking over your shoulder and you're, you know, uh, a pecking order maybe that has been established is going to be uh, usurped now. But, um, it, you know, I I think it goes to show how good the dubs are keeping stuff in house that if he's been back in a county in probably, a county like dublin as well amen like i mean in, anywhere rory anywhere yeah. like someone like that to be back training um and obviously it was going to be huge news and the first thing first inkling we get of it is when he's standing right. under the crossfire to hit 16 end and the camera goes on him so um it was a fair tribute to the, to the dubs and their ability to keep something in house um but there will be interesting dynamics within the squad and everything as a result of it. But to me, having him back, it can't be a bad thing. And uh, 
you know, the Dubs have looked a bit like they've been stuck in gear for a lot of the league and maybe Desi felt that they did need something different and they needed a bit of a disruptor in around the place and someone with his status and leadership qualities, he'll certainly bring that. And uh, I can't imagine him being happy sitting on the sideline either, Mikey, if he's if he's around mm. for the summer, he's going to want to be playing. So it'll be it'll be an interesting one to watch out for as always. Yeah, it, it, Rory, just on the, the secret thing, I, I think it's fantastic. I don't know. I think this might be a tactic of uh, the Dublin GA kind of social media team. When Mannion and, and McCaffrey came back to the squad, the announcement was buried at the end of a four-minute Desi Farrell interview um, uh, on Dubs TV, which you could get on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It was right at the very end. Uh, and by the way, so like they're making you watch their you know the content they're putting up on social media because this 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 came around said they had a video of the team running out of the tunnel like a dark tunnel kind of hard to notice people he said few familiar faces in the on the Dublin bench today so you're there squinting trying to see oh yeah there's Manny yeah. there's Paddy Small wait is that is that Cluxton it's not only hilarious I would actually go so far as to say it's pretty pathetic as well. I mean, <laughs> like, I, it's one of the things that never ceases to amaze me about all sports, by the way, this isn't specific to GAA, is their ability to blow public relations opportunities and the fact that whatever you do, tell them nothing. Why? Like, why? I mean, you're trying to big up your sport, sell your sport. You're trying to make good news. Like Stephen Cluxton coming back for Dublin is a good news story in a load of different ways. This is a legend of the game. Oh, oh we'll have to keep it up. I mean, it's just, it is ju- it is juvenile beyond belief. I mean, Or maybe they got exactly the reaction they wanted. It's well, maybe overshadowed know. their game against Louth completely. Well, well, Nobody's well, discussing that. Yeah, I, I look, look, there's a few things for me. I'm not entirely sure will he play. If, if he ends up supplanting David O'Hanlon, who's a club mate of Desi's, I'd be, I'd be shocked and astonished because I think David O'Hanlon has done well. If it's back up, fair enough. The only other thing again, like, Evan Comerford is not a better backup. Well, there you go. No, I think if Evan Shields depend, has done all right when he's the, played the, as well. Exactly. The only thing that I was saying in my head is, are they paving the way here? This is Desi's fourth year. I don't know if Desi's going to be the Dublin senior football manager interminably. And on the only thing that I was thinking is, are they paving the way here to hand on the manager's job in some way because if you actually one thing if you will look at the landscape in Dublin currently there aren't that many putting their hands up most of the guys that are involved in the underage dub like if you Jim Gavin did his time Desi Farrell has done did their time served an apprenticeship in the underage ranks there's no Dublin legends working in the underage ranks these days so if they are looking at a succession plan and Stephen Cluxton, I think, would probably be the best person for that job long term if that's what he wanted. And if we thought it was hard getting information out of Dublin back then, you know, currently, imagine what it's going to be like if he ends up the manager. But no, I just find it even look, Mikey, like a, a perfect example. Why were all the matches on a Sunday? You know, from a GA perspective, you're trying to spread your message. You know, you've you've everything jumped in on a Sunday. Like, look. It it to my mind it was it's all a bit it, the way that it came out smacks of a little bit of juvenile. I, I just thought it was silly, you know. Like okay, he's back, great. I don't know. It, it became a bit of a sideshow to what to a game, I suppose, in some ways that stank the place out. So maybe it helped on that front. So maybe it was yeah. a good thing. Uh, you know? On that, Eamon, uh, Lev, um 
they they kind of they frustrated Dublin for for long stages. But I think probably as most people thought it would play out, um, you know, just kind of you know fifteen men inside your own forty five will frustrate Dublin for so long, but they will figure it out. They'll at some point they'll kind of put on the afterburners, and and that's kind of what happened. And Louds have had a tremendous season, not to be in any way condescending to them or anything like it like to finish third in division two is pretty good and another team who'll go into the provincial championship with a good feel about them but mickey hart will come away and say okay you know the game plan will work against you know meath kildare etc but it's not going to work against the the top team so he has he has work to do and i think mickey would have probably expected that before the game started i don't think he believed they were on the same level as dublin anyway yeah, big time, Mikey. And Crow Park is different to RD as well, you know, in terms of implementing a game like that. But I think for, for Laos, it's been it's been a very positive league because at the start of the league, you would have probably put them in the bracket with Clare and Limerick as being the most likely team to, to, to go down. Um, and in fairness for them to finish third is a remarkable achievement, uh, having come up from Division 3 last year. But that game uh, that game plan obviously has its limitations against the top teams and in Crow Park and you know minus Samuel Rye at the moment he'd probably add a, an extra bit of forward impetus to them do- down the road when he returns for championships so um Mickey Hart has to be very positive and he'd be he'd be eyeing up uh, trying to get into a Leinster final I imagine will be his next target now yeah um fair play for Mana who are confounding everybody as well um they beat Cavan uh to kind of put themselves up to division two so as mentioned at the start two teams coming down two teams going up so division two is going to be as always fascinating next year but just before we finish up Eamon a word on the uh Canactico as I was calling it to my Leitrim friends um the uh the the division four promotion playoff effectively between uh some crowd that yeah, Leitrim and Sligo. Um, phenomenal and nice dramatic finish. Sligo seemed to be kind of cruising home and uh, Leitrim got a couple of um, goals, which I've heard described as scrappy enough. Um, and then we had, you know, your your standard row over the amount of added time that was given, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, but, but Sligo going up and turning into a bit of a yo-yo team at the moment, Sligo. Um, and they, but after a couple of, Pretty bad years, uh, you know, not playing a championship game during COVID, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Tony McEntee seems to be, he seems to be building something there, which um, I think everybody is glad to see. I think Connacht, um, it's a small enough province as it is, but having ha- having it in two tiers of the three teams and then the rest isn't good. So it'd be nice to see kind of Saigo kind of, and Leitrim, they both seem to be to be building something, albeit from a, from a lower level. Oh, they are big time and... Uh... You know, to to develop Rory's point from earlier, it's it, I've always felt that um, the final round of the league round seven should have the same model as the the, the uh, league final weekend, where you have division four on us, whatever five on a Saturday, division three on at seven, and do the same thing on mm. Sunday, and then you can have you can spread the coverage over all four divisions, and you're getting to witness that. Um, craziness of Division 4 as it changed yesterday and with all of the teams that were in the mix where it was looking for a while like it was Leach and Leitrim that were going up and ended up being Sligo and Wicklow so uh, you know you'd love to see more of that but I think the interesting thing for Sligo and Leitrim now is 
who wants to get to the Connacht final? Um, is it a bit of a booby prize? You yeah. know, that both of those teams have had a, a very good uh, season. They're building. Would they be better off competing in, in the, the Talchin Cup? Cup. And, and really, really going at that and having a real cut off that because, you know, realistically speaking, if they're in a, if they get to a kind of final, they're going to be beaten and probably well beaten. They're going to be the second seed. Then I would Munster at the other side. If it ends up, whichever it ends up as Kerry or Cork winning that, plus the other teams that are in with them, that's, is, is there any development in that for them in terms of, you know, playing against that level of opposition? Whereas, maybe this season winning the Talton Cup or competing strongly for the Talton Cup uh, would be would be better. And then looking at maybe progressing into a kind of uh, um, uh, competing at some Sam, Sam level next year. So I, I, I don't know. And of course, if you're in a Connacht semi-final, you're going to be going all out to win it and you're going to want to get into the Connacht final and you're going to want to have the experience of a big provincial final. But... Uh, you know, like mm. I said, is it a bit of a booby prize for them? It should be mentioned, just one other, one small little thing, and I know Eamon will have been keeping a keen, keen eye on this, having managed a team to win this competition twice. They had, Sligo had a school, at a secondary school in the Hogan Cup final recently, which I think was a huge boost to Gaelic football in that part of the world. And a lot of things being done the right way in what's perceived as maybe a bit of a soccer town where their big population centre is. So I think definitely trending in the right direction and fair play to them. Yeah, uh, well, look, a lot of the talk before, well, throughout Division 4 was um, the former Keith Byrne and he was limited to one point from play yesterday, which is significant. And at the other end, Pat Spillane Jr. was taken off with 13 minutes to go, having scored 1-2, which I was listening to it on Ocean FM. That was confusing the commentator somewhat, but maybe he picked up a knock. But it seemed to be Sean Carabine kind of down the stretch who kind of grabbed hold of it. So, like, there's some real... Tony McEntee might be getting a call from Temple No today, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear that conversation. There'd be no holds barred there, I'll tell you. (laughs) It was an intriguing Division 4 game. Oh, Jesus. Imagine Tony McEntee being being lectured on uh, on team selection by Pat Spillane. My God. Black eyes can be administered on the phone. Um, Anyway, Eamon, we'll we'll leave it with that nice image. Um, Thank you very much, and sure... It's only a couple of weeks of championship payment. We'll be talking to you soon enough. Enjoy your day. Good luck to you. Oh, lads. Welcome back. We've been joined by Shane McGrath to discuss yesterday's uh, Division 1 semi-finals. How are you getting on, Shane? Yeah, good, lads. All good. Monday morning. We're getting towards the end of the league as well. So, all good. A week closer to championship. So, it's uh, yeah, all good now. And uh, uh, as you said, uh, Bit of a mixed bag over the weekend, wasn't it, boys? You know, mm. uh, what we got Saturday night, maybe what we got yesterday. But look, where we are, where we are now, and uh, I suppose we 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 have our finalists. We do. Um, for those who who don't know, it's going to be a repeat of uh, last year's All Ireland final. We got Kilkenny and Limerick to meet in the in the league final. After Kilkenny beat Cork two twenty two twenty two points yesterday, and Limerick did a Limerick. Um, shades of the Munster final of a few years ago. A uh, great first half performance from Tipperary. Uh, Limerick in the end winning out 128 to 25 points. I actually I missed the second half of this because it was my wife's birthday, so we were going out for dinner. So uh, we were probably just finished our starters. I thought it was safe enough to take the phone out of my pocket just to check the score. I was like, what the hell, what the hell happened in the second half of this match? <laughs> um, but we'll come back to that one. Um, 
Yeah, uh, there's a Shane. Uh, is uh, the reaction to yesterday a little bit over the top? In fairness to to Cork, like you know, still now it is an issue that you know the chopping and changing of the team, which we discussed here on Thursday, but. Like, you know, it's a league semi-final, you know, missing a fair few frontliners, went down to 14 men for the last 20-odd minutes or whatever it was. Like, this this talk about, you know, Jesus, Cork will, Cork will win nothing with this kind of attitude, etc. It's a little bit excessive, I think, is it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. I suppose, I don't know, like, I suppose we, we got such a kind of a game, well, maybe a 55-minute game anyway. Um, Saturday night that I think people were kind of maybe hoping for more of the same or and you know you just can't draw comparisons in, in regards to where teams are at right now or what they're looking at but I, I suppose what we thought was that Cork were going to go down and they were going to throw everything at this like and it was going to be ferocious and there was going to be an energy and a work level and or a work rate that you know that was going to really drive on and re-emphasize what they've done in the league so far and I suppose it, it just really didn't happen that way for Cork Um whether they were just outplayed in a lot of positions on the pitch and, you know, or they just they just didn't really seem to show up. Like, say, like, in the whole, like, they, they I just, if you go by shots, lads, right, they they took the least amount of shots of all the four teams uh, over the weekend. Like, they took 33 shots. Kenny got 43 shots off, like, you know, and, like, in, in open play, Cork only got 19 shots off, like, and I suppose when we're talking about Cork, like, and, goals they scored in the league and, and, and the strike force that they have up front you know it, it just kind of was maybe a little bit flat from him like um if I take if I take Shane Kingston and Connerly hand two 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 guys who are in good form you know coming into the game like they had eight wides between them so see they're like all those small things like I just don't think it happened for him yesterday I don't think it was allowed to happen for him yesterday I think Kilkenny were they were at home in the league semi-final and I just thought they, they brought the fight to it more more so than Cork. I just thought there was more energy about them. I thought they won majority of the battles. I thought their backs won the majority of the battles. And for a finish, it was that kind of kind of little challenge match feel about it, Rory. I don't know if you agree or not about that. Yep, it, was, yep. it got very, very loose near the end and um, there was only going to be one winner like um, you know, coming into the last 10 minutes. Maybe no more so than the Gaelic grounds as well Saturday night. But look, that's that's what I feel, Mikey. I just feel mm. that it was, you know, I think 19 shots from playing the whole game kind of shows that it, it wasn't a good performance from Cork. And a lot of that was down to that the Kilkenny backs just kind of dominated them. And the Kilkenny midfield as well. I think Conor Fogarty has, has reignited himself this year as well, guys. Uh, just He's popping up with points from play, but it's the work he's getting through as well. And uh, it, just, it just wasn't that same fight. I, I Like, probably the, 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 the biggest kind of, bit of a fight was in Cork was probably what happened with Owen Downey getting the red card is in regards was a bit of a scrap and like lads were pushing and pulling at each other but other than that we didn't see much of that throughout the game in my opinion though um, yeah. just watching it on telly not being there but so maybe maybe lads that were there maybe saw it different but I I, I well, no. were, like, yeah well Jackie Terrell was there and he wasn't he, he was kind of the same argument Rory is it mm-hmm. so let's say there was a kind of a slight flatness or a lack of aggression or whatever you want to say from Cork as a Corkman, is it getting a bit frustra- frustrating because I like, you know, I support a County who are also can kind of, who are very, very consistently inconsistent, mm. but Cork, you know, you feel there's something building and like, geez, the league final would be perfect for their development. They're not playing the first round of Munster, yada, yada, yada. And then like they go down to their greatest rivals, you could argue, and it, it falls a little bit flat. You'd be tearing your hair out because you have hair. Yeah. The, 
it was very stop start. There was a lot of fouling going on. Um, obviously, John Keenan took a different view on how to play the rules uh, in comparison to Liam Gordon the night before, who swallowed the whistle. And I presume that was because John Keenan learned his lesson from last year's Munster final and probably feels he doesn't want to be parked up in the garage again as a result. And it was just, it was a very stop start. There was an awful lot of freeze. By the way, Billy Drennan, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting conversation actually in that that (laughs) Kilkenny dressing room when TJ does walk back in. I mean, what do you say to T- sorry sorry TJ Reed right? <laughs> you're not, you're off the freeze I mean I think it was the hundred percent from place balls whether it was penalty 65s and freeze I don't think he missed one I I'm, I stand to be corrected but anyway no, I, no I, he didn't I, miss I, a free Rory I was down there the week before I remember we we spoke about as well about the weather that week and how yeah. he was nailing them lads like I, I like I think it's a, I think it's a great argument Rory like who's going to take the freeze is it like having Ronaldo and Messi at the same team who takes the penalty and you're like going well I just I think he's uh, you have a, you have a game of style, rock you have a game of rock papers you have, isn't it, like? yeah, you have a game of rock paper yeah. scissors between the two of them like in a way Shane could you say and he he, he stands back from it like you know, yeah. he stands, his style is a little bit different it's kind of he's standing back from it a lot of like say the TJs or the Galands are standing over it. even Henry in his day yeah. own Kelly and Tip his style is a little bit different he's standing behind it and looking at it but lads I, I, I don't know what it is how much he's putting in on his own and everything but yeah oh, Rory yeah. you can see I, I, he's, the work he's, yeah. he's, he's, it's phenomenal he's so, striking yeah. and, so yeah. th- th- there is going to be a conversation Shane um, I do wonder if for someone like TJ like TJ Reid and kind of the the latter stages of his career, we think. We don't know he's as fit as a fiddle. He could go for another 10 years for all we know. Um, it, could there be an advantage to having the pressure of that taken away, but then the flip side of that is free takers. It's, you know, that's where they get their mojo from. And, you know, like it, it, it could work both ways. Uh, Derek Ling's just going to have to package it whatever way he wants to, I guess. It, it is. It is like, and I, I, I might use maybe Shamey as an example. Like in 2019, mm. um, I, I, Jason was taking a lot of freeze, like, and sometimes maybe that takes the pressure away. And, and Shamey is harder the year then, like you know. But like uh, sometimes that that if that pressure is taken away from you, maybe a small bit of being the free taker, it can go one way or the other. I think some players need to be on the ball, but I just don't. I, I, for me personally, I I don't think TJ needs to be on the freeze. Like like if they need him to be on the freeze, that's fine. But I think TJ personally doesn't need to be on the freeze. Yeah, yeah. like. Billy Billy Drennan is is new. He's young, you know. He's going to get a lot of attention on the championship because you know, like, I won't say he's an unknown lads, but I mean, to to the greater hurling world, a lot of people this year are only really hearing about Billy Drennan. Whereas you know, hurling people will know him from from yeah. minor level, from colleges level, from from his club Galmai, and like from what 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 he did with the twenties last year. And obviously, Derek Ling has huge trust in him and can see. And now the rest of us can see how good he is in it. So, like, to answer your question, Mikey. TJ doesn't need to be on the freeze. I think I think having Billy Drennan and keeping him on the freeze would be better for Billy Drennan and Kilkenny to get him on the ball. Because let's be honest, if TJ's not in the game the first 10-15 minutes, that's Does, not an issue. Yeah. If Billy Drennan's not in the mm. game the first 10-15 minutes, then that becomes an issue in championship when someone's at him. So yeah. a great a great argument to have. And also, lads, as a team, you know, as a half-back up the field, knowing that if I get this ball take my three or four steps and burst past tackle. If I get, if I win a free within 80 yards, Billy Drennan is scoring this. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing to have in the head, like to go, let's take him on. And we've, and we've at the moment, right at the moment on stats and everything, the best free taker in the country at the moment, right now, like, so yeah. 
You know, he's, I think um, it's, a, it's a great headache for uh, Derek Ling, isn't it, lads? My only concern about Billy Drennan is you say he's been an underage, you know, he's come up through underage uh, levels. Has he had the same helmet since he was under 12? The lad needs a new helmet. He's bursting out of it. Have you noticed that? The helmet barely well, stays on him. Well, 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 well he, need, he, need, he needed every bit of it after the <laughs> slap he took on it. How that, wasn't red, how that wasn't a red card, I have no clue. I mean, I know he said, oh, I was trying to get the ball, but just trying to get the ball and hitting someone a slap of a hurley across the head. Yeah, know. it was a fair nasty one, all right, with the, with the toe of the hurl as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what were you going to say, Shane? Did you have a theory on the helmet? Week, yeah, I have a theory on the haircut. Yeah. Billy Drennan has a nice fresh fade every week as well, so I think his haircut <laughs> is part of his routine as well. Uh, and actually, and the helmet—if he had a helmet to fit him, we wouldn't see the haircut. So he's like, he wants people to see the haircut. That might—that might be it. The helmet doesn't look comfortable. That's all I'm saying. It's clearly not affecting him in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying, um, it um, it, it doesn't look to be fitting him particularly well. Uh, a word, Rory, uh, Richie Hogan, uh, he wants you- to settle in on his first first start for a couple of years, so he scores a point after forty seconds. Yeah, but did he did he fade after that? Mm. Um, I I think it was a good opportunity for Derek Ling to give him a run from the start. But I think Richie would probably know himself now. It's in it's off the bench really, where he'll probably be most effective when games loosen up a small bit. It's just played at a frenetic pace, and the hand to hand stuff that goes on in around the middle third, where he's drifting out trying to get on ball. No, I think, um. Didn't really work out for him yesterday. Now, having said that, I think in and and believe it or not, I actually thought defensively Cork weren't too bad. I think the two shining lights really if you're looking at a positive from a Cork perspective yesterday, I think Tommy O'Connell played well and Rob Downey probably had his best game. And I think that definitely shores up maybe one of those wing back positions. I think Rob Downey was 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 arguably Cork's best player. But but um you mentioned earlier from a Cork perspective, I think up in the forwards. So when I saw that forwards I saw the team named on, was it Friday? And I looked at the sextet of forwards. I went, whoa. And I looked at the Kilkenny backs. There's not going to be too much ball stick in there. And I so while Pat Ryan will be disappointed, and I know people might mention, oh, he doesn't know his best team. I think he does. I think he has a fairly good idea. I think out, out of the six forwards that started yesterday, I think two will start in the championship. And uh, Tim O'Mahony, Robbie O'Flynn, uh, Patrick Horgan and um, and there was one more that I'm probably missing, but they will they'll all come in, um, and that yeah. So I think not too many positives from a Cork perspective yesterday. Dara Fitzgibbon and Robbie O'Flynn both took part in the full um, warm up beforehand, so they're obviously close enough to coming back to full fitness. The two lads at wing back played reasonably well, and that's about it, really, in a mm. positive sense. You know, they worked hard at times. They kept themselves in a the game. When they went down to 14 players, they drew that final 20 minutes playing with a man down. So I suppose if you're trying to draw clutch at straws, you know, they could have taken a pasting in that scenario. You know, normally, if you go down a man, it's, you know, it's batting down the hatches, and that's what they did. But... But yeah, I don't know. It, it it may turn out a blessing in the long run not to have made the league final because I'm not entirely sure if, given their current injury profile and trying to get lads back going into face Limerick would have been the best thing in terms of their development right now. But um, disappointing they all around, I suppose, mm. to go up there and not really fire from the off. 
before we go on to the Limerick and, and tip, Shane, just, just a word on the, the descending off on Downey and the you know, four yellow cards shown. In a way, you have to give John King some, some praise, I suppose. He was very thorough. He talked to every official he could. And then he didn't do the normal thing of sending off a player from from each team. He kind of, you know, he punished Cork for, for the for the schmazzle, which probably involved about 20 players, which is, it's almost unusual to see that these days. You usually see a referee take a very even-handed approach to these things. Yeah, but you have to, you have to understand, Mikey, and Rory said it already, we were. I was at the Munster hurling final last year, and as 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 spectacles go, it was unbelievable. And the, the the one man who really suffered because of it was the referee. And like what was said to him in Crow Park that week by the referees committee and everything. It's it's very you know it's no secret now. Like you know, John Keenan refed. He wasn't the, seen again. He wasn't seen again. No, he was seen again, and he refed in the spirit of the game as we call it, right? But he actually nearly ruined his his year last year as an intercounty referee because of it, right? And yesterday, I just thought it was very, very interesting to see the amount of time he took over talking to umpires, talking to his um, linesmen, talking again a second time to make sure he had it right. And I just think it's, it, it has to be, it, it's in his head. No more so than if a player has a bad game. It's nearly in his head that he needs to be better. He needs to work harder. And I think that was definitely in John Keenan's head yesterday, Mikey, before he made those decisions. I thought he made the right call and fair play to him. And you know what? I really hope the guy gets the kudos at the at the at the Crow Park meeting this week when the refs meet for that because he got lambasted last year in the Munster final. I hope he gets the the, the kudos he deserves because I, I I think he's a good ref and um, I, I I love seeing getting the back getting the bigger games again this year um, because of it. And um, look, was it a sending off? It was a sending off, and we had the hindsight of the cameras that that were there. It, it was you know on down he knew he was getting sent off. There was no. No argument at all. He took off his helmet. He walked off. I'd say there was a little bit of disappointment with the with the maybe the back court management team as well with him. There wasn't many looks, almost Cody esque um, exchange when he came off. He just came off and he sat down. He knew he was wrong. And look, there was a lot going on in that. So look, well done, John Keenan and that. Cody handled it well. No, I don't think any of the Kenny boys deserve to be sent off. Fairness to Massey Kion, lads. Um, he's an absolute beast of a man. And they have great discipline. There is, you know, whether it's the culture or the spirit that's in them, they, they very, very rarely react. From someone who has been involved in games where there has been red cards against them as well, they rarely react. They're able to control it. They'll come in and they might hit you a jostle or a dunt or a heavy shoulder in, in, in open play. But when it comes to those things, they do they, they do keep it under con, uh, under control. And they did it again yesterday. And even Peter Barry, lads. I was watching Peter Barry, I think, was with, with, uh, in the county final last year. And he got he got involved in something, and he and there yesterday he was, they were very very calm. They were just there. They didn't even get involved. They weren't laying a hand on anyone. So look, very very controlled aggression, I would say, from the Kilkenny mm. lads. And look, just quickly on Kilkenny, Mikey, because we spoke all over Cork. Billy Drennan won thirteen, um, no wide. Rory has said Massey Cohen scored a goal. He three wides. John Donnelly scored two points, and he four. He had six shots at goal. Like say like they're they're going to get sharper as well. Alan Murphy very very accurate, um. Where's TJ going to play? Where's Adrian Mullen going to play? I, I suppose we were joking at the start of the year with the article, Mikey, and I said, you know, the top four or five teams and maybe four or five of the Munster. And look, hands up here, look, obviously, Kilkenny have come back again. They're getting stronger. And now, you know, they're they're they're, they're going to be a force to be recommended, as we all knew as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, you say yeah. these things, you just want a bit of debate. But look, That's it. Um, serious yeah. force, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, so look, again, heightens the Leinster Championship, but I think kind of pushes Damon Galway a, a, a little bit further ahead even now for me in Leinster. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't losing too much sleep over Kilkenny now, to be no, honest. I, I, I thought they'd be okay. And John Keenan, just to mention, I don't want him to get the bigger games at all because... Um, before he hit the national, uh, before he before he hit the big time, he used to referee the odd uh, uh, Wicklow Junior hurling match, and suppose he's fantastic to have a good ref. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I say, John, come back to Wicklow Junior hurling. We'll we'll take you. There's no assessors <laughs> with us, buddy. Um, <laughs> back to the Hollywood, back to the Hollywood stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get on to talking about that amazing Limerick comeback, because I I think it's worth mentioning, and we have a we have an inter county midfielder. Uh, of your with us here how lawless can you get at the throw-in Shane and you know because you, you do see it, it there's always jostling there's always there's always shoulders there's always you know elbows like it's like you're just screaming for the ref to pull in the ball before somebody actually gets hurt we kind of crossed the line I think on Saturday night and William Donahue's probably considered himself a lucky boy that he got away with kind L- of lucky swinging a hurl basically at an opponent's head so you you've yeah. been there countless times um there is a line i guess um but it's sometimes for those of us watching on it might be hard to ascertain what it is yeah look, just a kind of a funny antidote there on throw-ins before i was involved in throw-ins and all learning finals against some of the greatest hurlers ever in the kilkenny ledge and you want to see the hurlies they were using for throw-ins i spoke about this before and i i, remember, I always say the one guy in the kilkenny backroom team's job was to come in and give Michael Fenley his actual proper hurley after throwing because he knew it was all guns blazing and if he broke the hurley he didn't want to be his good hurley so that's just a funny story some people may or may not know that so maybe maybe that's going to have to be someone's job from now on as well with some of the things that are going on in the throw look Mikey I tell you about the throw-ins right before it was absolute crazy town because you'd have all the half-back line and all the they've brought in a new rule now haven't they Shane They've actually brought in a new rule now that you have to stay behind the 45 on both sides. And that's at club level as well, Mikey. We played a club hurling match last week and the ref said you have to stay back. So what's what's it allowing now is if actually if you win the throw-in, you're nearly on straight away to nearly get a score, win a free, e.g. Barry Murphy there in the second half, like, you know, Mm. when they were back. So I think that's a big advantage for the midfielders. What happened at the throw-in in the tip of the Limerick match was wrong. Um, You know, you hear a lot of clear people giving out that if David Fitzgerald is getting suspended, that that maybe the same maybe the same thing needs to happen to Will O'Donoghue. I don't know from from looking at it, you know. And there obviously was enticing on both sides, but again, I go back to the Kilkenny thing and the Cork game where one of the Cork lads lashed out and he got a red card. The same thing happened. Let's be honest, lads, in the Limerick Tip match. One of the whether what was there was niggling going on before it. That's very very clear to see, and and anyone that was there would say the same. But I suppose it was the lashing out that happened. And you know, let's in in my opinion, and and Rory, I suppose your opinion as well is. You know, there should have been a red card given. Uh, to he one. should have been sent off. I don't think right. he saw it. Had he is back, had Liam Garden is back to him when that he, was when maybe, that happened. Yeah, maybe so. And look, we've obviously we've the benefit of hindsight. We've the benefit of the cameras, and we've the benefit of looking at back. And and look, things always look worse in slow motion as well. But look, I suppose if by the letter of the law, uh, he struck with the hurley. At, 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 strike with the hurley at the helmet. Dave Fitzgerald is going to miss the Munster Championship match, and I suppose that's where people from other counties. And I suppose Owen Down he's going to miss the Munster Championship match as well, Rory, isn't he? Like so. he is, yeah. And that's and that's where people from other they're going to appeal, but and, yeah, yeah, that's where people from other counties look at it and go, look, there has to it has to be across the board. So look, it'd be interesting to see what way that is dealt with as regards um, with committees and with sightings and things like that. But yeah, look, I, I, I it, it was a moment of madness. Um, 
But look, um, it, it didn't take away from the first half anyway, uh, Mikey. You know, mm. it was it was a phenomenal game, a phenomenal half of hurling after that. And uh, look, we, we 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 will talk about it, but it just it further rubber stamps their their dominance of the game at the moment. Um, this this Limerick. Uh, you, yeah. you think they're better? You think they're better than they ever were, Shane? Do you? Yeah, yeah. In my in my opinion, I think um out out of the, this group, this current group under John Kiley since twenty seventeen, and obviously they had success twenty eight. I think this is the strongest they've ever been, in my opinion. And my reasons for it are that, first of all, they have this, they don't, they don't have this 45-year thing on their back anymore that they had to win this All-Ireland and, you know, that's that's gone, like. So you can actually play with a bit more freedom once you actually get over that hill, I think. And it's just about the desire and the appetite then to keep it going, like. So 2018 was unbelievable and it was the first time in 45 years. But that, but that went with 2018 then and now it's like, now we know we're good enough. Now we know we can compete and we've won our All-Ireland. And let's just go and hurl. And in fairness, they've done that since, bar none. The reason I think they're the strongest, Mikey, that they've ever been is because of what's come on in, in the last maybe 12, 18 months. Lads been brought in for training matches last year and now we're on the panel. So, for example, right, uh, Shane O'Brien, Dunica O'Dalek, okay, there's there's two guys, and Michal Hoolan even, maybe to a lesser degree. There's, there's two, three guys who are pushing on lads who are all-star hurlers and hurlers of the year in recent years. So those guys who are some, who are established know that if they're not up to scratch, these guys are coming in to take their place. I, I, I look at I look at Cahill O'Neill and Colin Coughlin and Adam English as three guys who have been involved, but they're now at a stage of their career where they know they're good enough and they want to start as well. Because, lads, as someone who is lucky enough to, to win an All-Ireland, you have that medal means something different when you're on the field of play or you're actually coming on and making a difference. And ask anybody that, and I, I, I would argue with anyone with that, it's not the same medal, lads. And like a panel is a panel, and it's very important. But for as a player, to you to be on the field of play when the final whistle goes, or to know that you played a big part in it on the day, on the field of play, the medal means more. And I, I don't know how people maybe listen to this with react to that, but I'm telling you, it does. From you have To be involved and know you've made a difference on the day, You've done all the training and the group will, will give you the kudos and everything. So that's what I'm saying is that those three guys, Adam English, Colin Coughlin and, and Cahill O'Neill, now will say, we want to be on this team. So now they're driving on maybe Will O'Donoghue, Darrell O'Donovan, Kyle Hayes, all right? And, and these guys have to up it. So that's why I think they're actually stronger than they ever have been because of what is pushing them on to be better and they know if they're not better that their place is gone. The other thing is, lads, there's four lads probably vying for three spaces in the backs. Dan Morrissey, Sean Finn, Mike Casey, and Barry Nash. There's a good chance, lads, that one of them won't start championship. Jesus. And that's another frightening thing for the rest of us. And that's that further kind of, I suppose, maybe strengthens or not my argument that I think this is the strongest they've ever been. And also, have their All-Ireland won, the monkeys off their back, but they're playing with freedom. And very, very importantly, lads, the last thing I would say in it, same management team. Kilkenny, hmm. when they were the dominant force in Hurling, same manager. Dublin footballers, dominant force in football, same manager. So the same culture is there. There's no change in they know the expectations to they go in there. And that's why I said, lads, you know, there's no sulking. Sulking's not accepted when you go into this Limerick setup. If you don't like it, this is the culture. This is how hard we work. If you don't like it, I have 10 lads waiting to come in. And I just that's that's Mikey why I feel that they're 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 stronger than they've ever been in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned before going into three because 
a lot of the time, Rory, we will discuss the Limerick forwards and like, you know, Kyle Hayes, Keane Lynch, you know, you know, Aaron Galan and, you know, the phenomenal hurdles they have up front. It's not that we ignored the defence or pretend that, you know, don't don't think it's it's a factor. It was such a big factor on Saturday night. Um, it was mentioned by the lads on Allianz League Sunday last night, but uh, that back three and Nicky Quaid behind them, um, they're just like the physicality of them, just the, the just how they can dominate their markers. They're just they're three terrifying men, basically, really, and they just like they're um they are just such a platform for this team that everybody else knows. Like Declan Hannon scored two points, you know, like he can go forward, he can attack because he knows behind him he's got like this this full back line which is nigh on impenetrable at the moment. Physically in great shape, all very good hurlers as well. I mean, we've seen, uh, I think Shane Dowling made the point last night about how they can join attacks, get scores, you know, uh, incredible uh, fitness, everything that you would expect from a full back line. They play from the front, sticky, nightmare, I'd say. And none of this, they don't necessarily have to go in for this plus ones. It's all very much man to man in there. And you've kind of got to plow your own furrow with them and more often than not Jackie's one last night I thought was a beauty about um, about Sean, Sean, dungeon. Sean Finn having a dungeon full of corner forwards which I thought was quite funny uh, it was a brilliant one from Jackie but yeah I just like all across the board competition for places like one of the other things as well that struck me about we've seen every sort of adversity thrown at them as well, whether it be injuries, whether it's controversy, they've had a couple of off field things going on. They've, you know, Mike Casey went out for a long time. They've had injuries to the likes of Key and Lynch, you know, one of the best players we've probably seen play hurling ever, maybe on certainly in the last 20, 30 years. When these guys can get injured and they just carry on, it just doesn't seem to have any sort of effect whatsoever. And they were a little loose and a little lethargic and maybe slightly off it in that first half. But some of their hurling in the second half was just, oh man, it was it was incredible stuff. Tom Marcy's playing the hurling of his life. You know, absolutely unbelievable display from him. Um, all across the board, I just think they're... Yeah, they're, 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 I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're unbeatable. I think every team can be beaten. I think there's plenty for Tipperary to take from that match as well. You have to bear in mind the, the development stage that Tipperary are on. It was a lot of new players, a lot of young players, a manager in his first season as well. And they, they made this a very, very good contest for long, for long, for long stretches. But you know, like we 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 compare this Limerick team to the Great Kilkenny team, like the death zone, like going down the last twenty minutes. That's when you need to live with them, and that's when they seem to get stronger, and everybody else seems to get weaker. And that's going to be the challenge for anybody who wants to take them down: is can you sustain it for the full seventy, and particularly heading down the home stretch? Yeah. Shane, we see a lot of teams now, obviously mimicking Limerick's kind of possession style to an extent. You know, Kilkenny are doing it a bit, Cork do it. You know, Wexford did it. Most teams are trying to do it. When you see Limerick do it well, like they did in the second half tonight, like the accuracy, the speed, the movement, the fact that lads are hand passing the ball blind, knowing that somebody's coming and the ball is going straight into the and, man's hand. And throwing it as okay, well. Okay, yeah, well, 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 well we, we won't bit. say they're alone in that. But, you know, these like 15 yard stick passes, Shane, that are going straight into the hand and everything done at this speed. Like when you see it done well, it's like, 
it's mesmerizing, but it's also thinking about if you're an opposition manager, how do you stop them doing this? I don't know, Mikey. It's an honest answer anyway. It, it, it is, like, it's just, look, we've all often heard it like that, what the pressure they've been put under, under training, and even guys who got released from the panel recently, like Pat Ryan, like, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they were like, they, they'd be at coaching workshops, and they'd be saying, like, the pressure that they've, they've been put under a training by Paul Knurk, they feel that that's a higher intensity or pressure than a lot of times in the games. And that when it comes to a game, then they're just calm on the ball and they, they just, they rarely give it away. And I suppose that's, that comes down to the intensity they're bringing to training. But also again, I go back to the quality of players that they have inside in that group as well, like to be pushing each other so hard, like, you know, that like say, if you take EG, you take a Sean Finn, like, and you wonder how his um, performances are just so consistently good. Like, I mean, sure. I mean, if you if you were to run around after Peter Casey or Seamus Flanagan or have a have a few minutes on Garrod Hegarty in an A versus B game or something like that. Now, I'm not saying they'd be on opposite teams, but, but such is the such is the depth of talent that they have at the moment. Or you know, you're trying to you're trying to curtail a Shane o, um Shane O'Brien or a Donico Dolly because they want to make the team. Like I think what they're doing in training is just is obviously phenomenal. And then when it comes to game time, then Mikey, there's no panic on the ball. But look, that's that that's where they're at. Like I mean, Tip, it was as a Tip person there. Like I mean, it was it was a, it was a brilliant first half performance. You know, you're 16 points to 12 up. I mean, um, you 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 you've done everything you possibly can uh, as regards efficiency on the ball. They both had seven wides in the first half. It's it's just what happened between that. And Peter Casey scoring the goal. I think Limerick was it outscored Tip one thirteen to four points mm. by the time Peter Casey got the goal. Even at the throw in, like Barry Murphy won the throw in, went straight down the throw to the our defence. He gets fouled, and Aaron Gillan scores the free. Tom Morrissey pops up at a point. Keen Lynch pops up at a point, and suddenly, it, suddenly now there's only one point in it. And I suppose look, that's the difference from a Tip point of view. As I will say, it's very very encouraging. Um. You know, we we you went toe to toe with them for uh, you know for about maybe fifty fifty five minutes mm. maybe. Um, you know, I would love to see. I I really hope we we get Kyle Barrett back. Uh, I think he's massive to us. Um, he's one of our key defenders. Um, if that ball is dropping in and Kyle Barrett is there, maybe Peter Casey mightn't mightn't be catching it. You know, because of Kyle Barrett's experience and the defender that he is. You know, um, get the likes of Nilo Mara back involved as well. You know, get Shamey back as well if that he could. Even like lads, like we were there the other night, right? And like it's small things, like it, it, it used to be like with Johnny Lahey for Tip um, down in Cork Rory. If Tip mm. were in trouble, you'd often see Johnny Lahey being sent up along the lines to the Black Rock end to warm up and the terrace goes mad. Yeah. So it's like, you know, scream if you love John Lahey was a joke, you know? <laughs> and the other night, the other night now, Gerard Hagerty and Kyle Hayes, they just got warmed up and lads, yeah. the crowd just go yeah. mad. Mm. And it just, it, 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 it's, it's this instant lift for two lads doing a warm-up like and that's yeah. the kind of um cult status that them boys are at there as well so look i i, I think from a team point of view like, it's very I, and it's not like they're small fellas so you so oh, so you'll look. miss the, you'll miss them in some way <laughs> and look and i always laugh at people like who who um who maybe don't get to a lot of the games and they're like uh and, and then they maybe go to a game and um you're there kind of at pitch level in the gaelic ground where the mackie stand is or you're you're you may see him afterwards and you're going jesus the size of them because when you see lads. them in real life and on the pitch, it's two different things. But look, tip tip going forward, they're in a good place. Um, they, we know that they, we know we can hurl. And you know what, lads? We got to score. Our tip got to score. When I say we, I'm, I'm obviously, I have my tip hat on. But in the 16th minute, lads, if you ever get a chance, if you get a chance to watch it back, the ball is worked out the whole way up the field. Oh, yeah, Mikey Green gets it. It's bang, 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 ball to hand, diagonal ball across. I think it might be Jo pops it over the bar in the 16th minute. And it just went 
for me, it was like, wow, like that's that's as good as I've seen maybe since the last since we played Limerick in the Munster final down in Parky Creeve where they made the comeback as well. But look, it's it's very encouraging. Lots to work on, lots to build on. The other thing for me, and I'm sure you'll agree, lads, is we Tip scored 14 goals in the league. Yeah. And I don't think we got a shot off a goal the other night. No. So that's obviously something that they'll have to look at too to say we, we have to score goals to try and beat Limerick. Yeah. We won't yeah. we won't outpoint Limerick. Nobody will outpoint Limerick this year, lads. No. And if Kilkenny, who scored two goals at the weekend, scored the most goals, scored two out of the semi-finals, they know they'll probably have to get two or three in the league final or going down the tracks to beat them. So look, there's another learning for you. Um, but um, you know, very, very encouraging for Tip. Yeah, as I said. Definitely, the trajectory is going the right way for Tip, and obviously Limerick are on a different level. So, I think mm-hmm. that, I think there's a lot of positives to take from Tip. I'll, I'll put it to you like that, lads. And then finally, before we go, Shane, is there any uh, truth to the rumor you're coming back, making a comeback to intercounty level as a goalkeeper because you feel you've got what it takes to be an intercounty <laughs> goalkeeper? I tell you what, Mike. You know, I'm I'm back hurling junior with the club, and I'm I'm finding it tough going. Like, so I don't think intercounty is. Uh, but even as a goalkeeper, because you you, yeah. you you think it's a redundant role. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, that's that's another story. I'm sure you you have it well discussed there in the in the football side of things. But uh, mm-hmm. look, I suppose uh, it's 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 often the saying: if you're good enough, you're old enough. And now it seems to be: if you're old enough and you're still good enough, we'll still get we'll still get you back in. So, <laughs> good man. Um, all right. So, league final to look forward to. Um, a classic fixture, a, a modern classic fixture, you could say, Kilkenny and Limerick. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Probably. So we'll probably. In tur- I'd imagine in Turles. Imagine yeah. Turles. Yeah. Sunday week. Yeah. 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 You'd think so. It would be a logical place to play it. All right, Shane. Thank you very much. Uh, myself and Roy will be back on Thursday. Uh, so we'll chat to you then. Good luck. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar!